2: It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield.
3: Good day, Austin, Texas, live music capital world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we have inside the, well, we have inside the studio, we're going to have a special guest in the studio. we got someone we're trying to get connected with on Skype. Um, we're going to talk about Afghanistan. I want to talk about what's happening there. want to talk about what's happening with our Second Amendment rights. want to talk about, man, you know, Afghanistan. Here we are. We have. We have gone to Afghanistan. We decide to go into another country and we have totally just totally taken over this country, which means that we are going to be responsible. What happens after this? Once you you go move into someone else's country, you overtake that country. You're gonna be responsible in setting up a government. You're responsible for setting up the military and getting making sure they're they're able to sustain themselves um, without you. But before you leave, you have to make sure that this country is, is self-sustainable. You got to give them support before you leave. Anyone with common sense knows this. So if, you know, if me. You know, I'm just a business owner. I don't know anything. You know, if I, if I was to, you know, to go, you know, overtake someone's business and decide to pull away from that business, I, I want to make sure that they're able to, you know, stand on their own two feet. And if something does happen, I'm able to move in and give them to, to give them support so they can make sure they can stand on two feet. So when it when I translate this to a military terminology, um, if I'm going to go into Afghanistan and I'm going to uh, pull uh, people who are from that country into our military, as like for example, our interpreters, uh, support people, uh, eventually make them U.S. citizens, then you know, if to do this, I'm going to need those people to you know to make sure that they're able to help me, you know, continue this on down the road. Well, here we are. We've, we've jumped into Afghanistan. We've taken over this country. Uh, we've now pulled out. You have factions, whatever you want to call them, insurgents, whatever you want to say. I don't, I don't know what name you want to use, you know, because I don't know the, the proper name to use, but they have toppled over that government that we, we set up. Yeah. I'm going to be in that type of situation. I'm going to give that, that military some type of air support. You got to give them some type of support in, in, in case something was to happen. So here we are in a situation where, you know, we have this president, President Joe Biden, has said that, you know what, uh, here we are in the United States. We're going to make sure that you as citizens of the United States, you, you can't have AR-15s, you can't have AK-47s. Uh, you know why? Because you know, AR-15, you don't need that because the AR-15, AK-47, you can't defend yourself against a military you know, with those type of firearms. Well, we, this has been proven to be not true, and we've seen this this week because in five days— you have a group, you know, a large group of people have overtaken a, a a country in five days by using AR-15s, AK-47, and we have literally the United States has given them billions of dollars in in, in equipment, given it to them because they took over, jumped in with an AR-15, AK-47. Now they have. They have helicopters, they have you know, they have humvees, they have everything, uh, grenades, everything, and the only thing they used was the AR15 the AK-47 to do it. They did it in five days. so don't ever tell me that my AR15, my AK-47, you know with that, I cannot defend myself because what I do know for a fact is in the United States of America, no other country, no entity is going to step foot on this mainland of the United States. They're not going to overtake us because you know why? Because we have so many rifles, so many handguns. We have so much artillery. I have so many, so many rounds of ammunition in my home. There's no way you're going to do that. No way whatsoever. We're talking Blackhawks. We're talking, you know, oh my goodness, this is just insane. This is a disgrace. This administration should be ashamed of themselves There's no way in the world I would allow. I I I I just you know it. You have to be in the military to really understand this. You know when it comes to accountability, when it comes to making sure that you have you know all the equipment you're supposed to have. This is a really big deal. You know you can't let you know one night vision goggle go missing. You know you can't let one rifle disappear. You know this is it's very serious. The and this is not being talked about. This president is a disgrace. This is a disgrace. We have allowed billions of dollars of U.S. military equipment in the hands of terrorists. Literally. We don't know where this equipment is. We haven't made any plans to go get it. If I was the president, I would send a division or two to secure this country and get our equipment back immediately. Immediately, we've just left people just hung dry, abandoned them. We have American citizens that are sitting over there trying to get out of this country, and we are doing nothing. No one's doing anything to help these citizens, American citizens. And even if they're not Americans, guess what? They are people that we use, we hired, we brought to our side to help us do what we need to do in that country. And now their lives are at stake because they're helping us. And we've left them high and dry, abandoning them, and no one's paying attention. If this was President Trump, if this was someone else, the media would be all over this. But they're ignoring this. I'm frustrated. And this is, I don't even, this is not even my, I'm just just totally frustrated. I just can't, I can't imagine... What is happening? But we do have someone, hopefully we can connect with this guy, who's an interpreter for the United States Army, uh, who was stationed in Afghanistan, one of the U.S. US Army interpreters. He's going to come on the show, if we can get him on Skype to talk about what's happening, because his family is there, and you need to hear this story. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk
4: Peace, this is Maj Pure. You're listening to Come and Talk Radio with Michael Cargill.
5: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill.
3: All right, so we're back, and we're talking about Afghanistan, and this is really not the cup of tea that we discuss here on the show. We usually talk firearms, but this I guess this is firearms because we're talking about Blackhawks. We're talking about drones. We're talking about billions of dollars that's been, you know, given away to the Taliban soldiers, uh, Taliban fighters in Afghanistan. A country that we overtook, we took over. We're responsible for these people. Uh, this country was dependent on us to help them to be sustainable because we went over to Afghanistan. We, you know, we've been there for years. You know, I don't want to say decade. <laughs> Has it been a decade yet? I think it's been a decade, two decades, two, two decades. Okay, we've been in Afghanistan two decades, and now we're responsible for this. This is our responsibility. No one else is. And the world is watching. And this president is making a fool of us. And I don't usually don't get into stuff like this. I don't pick sides, Republican, Democrat, when it comes to you know, national politics like this. I only stick to the Second Amendment when it comes to firearms. This is a disgrace, people. Because we're talking billions of dollars. You know, we're talking about a president that stood up and said, you don't need an AR-15, you don't need an AK-47 because, you know why? Because what are you going to do with it? You don't need a weapon of war. You can't defend yourself against another military with that. They have missiles. Well, you know what? That's wrong. Because in five days, the Taliban soldiers with AR-15s, AK-47s, they actually got billions of dollars in equipment from the United States government. It was given to them. Billions of dollars of equipment. And we're talking, you know, and let's break it down a little bit. What exactly did he get? 7,000 machine guns, 4,700 MVs, 20,000 grenades. We're talking drones. We're talking Blackhawks. We're talking. Yeah, let's not forget
1: about the A-29 Super Tucano light attack aircraft and the MD-530F
3: light military helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Gone. Gone. This is a disgrace. They got MRAPs as well. This is an emergency. You know what? If I was sitting in the situation room, I would say, oh, my goodness, the 82nd Airborne Division, I need the entire division on the tarmac right now on its way to Afghanistan to secure this equipment. Because this is going to wind up in the hands of who knows who. At least blow it up, right? This is going to be equipment that's going to be used against American soldiers down the road. I guarantee it. We, he, this, this president is going to cost the lives of your, your, your father, your brother, your uncle, your sister, your mother with equipment from the United States government. Or maybe your son, right? Your son, your daughter from the United States government, your aunt, your uncle, everyone. It's going to cost their lives. But you know what I have on Skype? I got someone on Skype that's going to talk to us about what exactly happen- is happening there on the ground. And I want to reach out to, you know, and I'm going to say this and I hope we then we're probably going to get blocked for saying this on 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 Facebook. But I'm going to reach out to Alex Jones. I'm going to reach out to all my local news outlets um, around the country because I need for them to know what's going on in Afghanistan. Need for them to talk about this and get this young man you know, on the show because his family is stuck. He's a and you know what? And you know what? I tell you what, without further ado. Let me bring into the show. Um, gotta have. Is it is it Kosh? What's your? I'm sorry. What's your first name?
4: Um, like Hashmatullah?
3: Hosh? Yes, hash Yes, Hush. Hush. Okay, there we go. All right, so Hush, welcome to come and talk us, sir. You know, tell us what's going on. You know, what? Tell us your situation first. You know, how did you become a U.S. citizen?
4: Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, 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 I'm a former interpreter in Afghanistan, and I, I worked with U.S. forces in, in, in the country, uh, supporting this great country, America, for seven years. Um, in hope that one day, me and my family will go to the United States and, and, and will become U.S. citizens. Um, I did. I did become a U.S. citizen, and I'm living here. And I have been trying for the last eight years um, to, to, to see if I can get my family here with the immigration been in contact. Um, but every time I get the same response, which is um, just wait, uh, your, your process is under review. And, and finally, we are in this situation right now. Um, I, I, I was in contact with uh, the help of some of my friends. Uh, some of my American friends that we used to work together back home uh, back there um, so yeah uh, they sent me a pass for my family and um, say that uh, I I can take my family to the airport so I told I, I gathered my family my wife and my children's and and they went to the airport in the chaos in the uh, in all that crowd uh, past all those human like couple thousand human walls, to get to the to get to the door, it took them like two days just to get to the door that the airport door, um, the gate. Uh, so it took them two days. After two days, two days, uh, all the all the proper documentations in hand, they 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 went in, they got in, and it took them another four days to wait so that they can get to the terminal. Um, to so that they can get to the plane and finally last night um, they they got close to the terminal where there is uh, some uh, marine soldiers standing out there and helping people like um, and, and they, they got they, they were told to see if they have the American passports and, and, and green cards which they don't and they're just a family of US citizen um, so they say that they receive. They have. They have only the The the, the documents uh, were issued by the U.S. Embassy, which is the pass, and there's a visa kind of thing, which does not have a name or a serial number in there. So basically, basically everyone's holding the same the same thing in their hands, uh, and, and the pass. So so they do have the the proper documentations in the hand to to get through, and that's how they got in. And and that's where they were told if they are SIV, and they say yes. And and they they said, Okay, if you're SIV, you get on this line. If you're a US citizen and uh, you have passport and you're you have a green card, you get on this line. So since they did not have the, the US passport and the green card, they got on the SIV line. Um and, and, and just after a couple minutes, um, they they got walked to the to the to the gate and, and and make make them to go home so um, they're they're in home in this tough situation right now I'm so much in concern uh, for their safety for their security what's gonna happen hopefully something will come up
3: And you've been working all day and it, it's nighttime right now in in Kabul is that correct
4: it's it's actually nighttime right now, yes. And um, uh, I I actually have been in so have been so much in concern about my family. I haven't been to work for the last couple of days and trying to be in contact with them to see if I can uh, if I can uh, like beg some someone out there. For the last for the last four days, I was just doing the same thing to see if I can beg beg or ask one of those marine soldiers uh, where my family are. To provide at least a bottle of water to my family because my my young my young daughter she's like three years old she's been without the water and food for two days and and they were told they were told I think on the um, what is it, like two days ago that if you uh, if you want to go home go home if not you can stay here but you will be without water and food for the next two more days and how can a little child that's like three years old that's that's what i'm talking to you is exactly i'm not making anything it's exactly what is going on what happened to my family and and this was this was really i was doing everything as a father to see if i can if i can find a bottle of water to my daughter because i could not see my daughter to pass like she was getting unconscious. I could not see my daughter to pass without like, to die for not having water. Okay, it's I, I heard that we can live for three, four, four, three, four, five days without f- food, but water, that's that's our our main need. That's what we are built from. So this was like, after all that struggle, no water, no food for a couple of days, like six days, uh, and then finally, they were sent home. I'm I'm so much in
3: concern. I don't know what to do. And so, currently, right now, they're actually at the airport, and they're just waiting, trying to get out. No, sir. Currently, right now, they are at home. They're back home. Okay. They're back home. They
4: were sent home because they do not have, uh, they do not have the, the 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 passport or or you can say the green card or or the visa. Some-
3: or, or the visa, correct? Yeah. Okay, so they don't have a visa to get out, so therefore they can't but, get on a plane to the U.S. But they do
4: have they they don't have the visa which I received at the beginning of my my journey of my journey, which was issued to me from the U.S. Embassy, uh, which has my name and there is a serial number and everything that I made my journey to the U.S. They don't have exactly that that visa. What they have is a piece of paper which, which which just says uh which just says a U.S. visa, and and it does not say any name on there or anything. So that's something that they have. So they have that. They have the pass which was issued from the U.S. Embassy. They have the the uh, the, pass, the valid passport, all, all right, the hold, valid documents.
3: Right, hold on there, Hash. We're talking with Hash. He's an Afghanistan interpreter for the United States Army, and we're talking about Afghanistan. We're talking about Kabul. This is Michael Cargill, and you. Are listening
6: to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen willifer the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It.
5: Talk thirteen seven, the right choice.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill.
3: All right, we're talking about uh, Afghanistan. We're talking about what's going on right now in Kabul at the airport. We're talking about Hamad Karzai International Airport. We're talking with Hash. Um, He's a he's an interpreter for the United States. Was an interpreter for the United States Army. He's now living here in Austin, Texas, and he's a U.S. citizen. And he has his his daughter. He has his family. Uh, They're trying to get out of Afghanistan to get here to the United States. He's been working tirelessly around the hour, uh, around the, you know, the days here, the weeks of trying to get his family out of Afghanistan um, into the United States. And it's we we're responsible for this. This is our responsibility. You know, are we able to evacuate the entire country? You know, is the right thing to do to send the military in there is to stabilize this country? Is that the right thing to do? You know, or how many people are we going to evacuate? Is, is this an, even in, is this possible to evacuate so many people in such a short amount of time? You know, should we send a couple of divisions to Afghanistan to stabilize this country and bring it back to some type of stability? Because we are responsible for this. This is embarrassing. Uh, Maria says, "This is embarrassing and ashamed of the actions of our leaders. As a retiree, and to to have seen firsthand the loyalty to the U.S. of these interpreters, you know these interpreters have put their life on the line for us to help us out to do the work that we need to get done. They put their family lives on the line, and now we have abandoned them. We've left them, and just walked away. This is a failure of our leadership." And this needs to be fixed immediately, immediately. And so we have um, on Skype, we have Hash, and he's telling us about his family. And Hash is saying his family's tried to go to the airport. They've tried to get out of the country, uh, don't have the right documentation. They don't have a visa to get out of the country to leave. So they're unable to get out. He's a citizen. Um. U- he's a U.S. citizen. Go ahead, Hash.
4: Uh, they do. They do have the. They they do have the proper documents. They have everything. Like you know, whatever was issued, uh, they they just don't have like the U.S. passport and the green card. You know, that's that's all they don't have. But they do have every other documents that were issued from the U.S. Embassy that they can make it through, and and they are they are eligible. Okay. So,
3: they just don't have the visa to make it out.
4: They do, they just don't have the passport and and uh, the the green card.
3: All right, so, and you said your, your daughter is there, and in, in, in she's going in and out of consciousness? Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
4: Um, my daughter, actually, my wife and my four children, so my daughter, like, I, I, I brought in an, ex, an example of my daughter because she's, like, three years old, like, okay. without water. Like, they're all without water, but she's, like, three years old. Like, how can she handle, like, living without water for, like, a like couple days? And but. Even though we did our best to see if we can, you know, provide some water, but you know, some soldiers out there, the marine guys, they did their best to provide water for them, and 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 and, 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 and then after all that struggle, they got into the, the, the terminal uh, close to the terminal to get to get ready to go to the plane to fly. That's where that's where they got turned back home. They were like, hey.
3: Now, now, Hash, tell me, you know what? What do you think we can do? What can we do to help you out? Uh, so, there,
4: there are a couple things. First, we
3: need we need a um, a
4: good plan, which means that there are people that are actually in to see if we can provide them with water and food, because there are childrens and women's, you know, and and the wait time is way too long. That's not like a day two three. That's like at least four or five days just to get to the airport, you know? Uh, so first they don't have water, they don't have food, people that are in, and we need to get those people out of there, people that are in the airport, expedite the process, get them out and then leave, release the gate, you know, by by making sure that everyone has the proper documents, get them in and get them out, you know, that's the process. like. The wait time we need to work on to not to like, which we should expedite that's, but most importantly, people that are in, actually they don't have water and food. <laughs> they can wait for a couple of days. That's fine. As long as they have the, the food and water.
3: All right. So hopefully we can get uh, some other, uh, some major news outlets to talk about your story, your family. Um, I'm trying to get uh, some people to reach out to you this week to see if we can bring light to what's going on with your family. Maybe we can reach the, you know, the U.S. government in D.C., you know, and, you know, get get you guys some help because, uh, like I said, this is our responsibility. Some people feel like this is not our responsibility. Some, you know, Cameron says evacuate our people. Yes. he's Cameron says establish stability. No. That's a fool's errand. You know, what do you think? Zach, what do you think? I think you're right. <laughs> we're responsible for this. this is our fault. Mm-hmm. We never should have gone into this country in the first place.
1: Yeah, this is uh you know something that George W. gave to us, right? Yeah, and then Obama
3: This is our mess. we made it. We need to fix it. then
1: Trump now Biden right if the mission was decades If the mission was to kill bin
7: Laden, then uh, he's dead, allegedly, so let's go yeah it, it, decade ugh. decade overdue
3: and now we're you know we've left people you know we're, we're leaving. People to fend for themselves. This is our responsibility. We did not have a, a clear exit strategy at all. Uh, we, we bailed out, didn't provide air support whatsoever, uh, to make sure that the military that was there was able to, you know, to hold up, you know, against the force that was attacking them, you know, because in, in, for soldiers, U.S. soldiers, you know, when you're faced with a situation where you're under attack, you can actually call in an airstrike. But if you pull those resources back (laughs) you know now you know they can't call an airstrike because airstrike because we pull those sources out now so you know i you know and hash i want to thank you for coming on the show and i hope that we can you know reach out to some people and get you guys some help i'm going to share your information with some people that i know and hopefully they'll reach out to you tomorrow um uh, later on this week to you know hopefully get your family out of there and i want you to stand strong and hang in there because uh, you're you're an awesome guy and i know you've been working around the clock to try to try to help your family
4: thank you so much i really appreciate you
3: no sir uh, we appreciate you thank you for being an interpreter for the united states thank you for working with the united states army and thank you for keeping our soldiers safe and we're going to try to keep your family safe
4: and 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 very last thing i want to say is that uh coming to the u.s becoming a u.s citizen i i i was believing that's the that Joe Biden will help me and my family to get them over here. I, I voted for him. I believe that. And now, since they sent my family back home, you know, I'm about to lose my hope and and say um, to, to say maybe I, I, I regret that I, I voted for him because I, I, my, my family is my first. you know, I won my family here and for, for the service that I did, I even lost a member of my family in the service for the US, for this great country America. So, uh, please, please help evacuate those people from there. They did from they did they did serve this country from the bottom of their heart, and they do have the proper documentations Um, as soon as possible. uh, That's that's all I want.
3: Thank you, Hash. Appreciate you, and we're going to pray for you and your family. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for coming on the show. All right, so I want to change gears a little bit. Want to talk about. Yes, we're going to talk about now. I want to change gears. I want to talk about guns and more guns. Shocker! Yes, that's what I want to do. Uh, I want to talk about a story that you 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 brought to me, the rare breed rare breed triggers. And there is a video. There's a statement by rare breed triggers. They released a statement on August the 19th. You know, in response to the ATF. Take a listen to this. All right. In a a second, we're going to pull that video up. We'll probably pull that up when we come back from the break is what we'll do. We'll have that video ready for you because I want you guys to listen to the statement of the company because they were served with a
7: cease and desist order. uh, Get a little
3: closer. They were were served with a cease and desist from the ATF on July 26th. All right. right. So a cease and desist letter. And so the ATF is like, hey, stop what you're doing. What you're doing is illegal. And if you don't stop what you're doing, we're going to do something to you, (laughs) basically which had no teeth
7: had no teeth they immediately <laughs> the, first of all they're owned by a lawyer so they immediately they immediately uh, fired back that um the definition of machine gun is not met by uh by anything that the trigger performs and that they have uh, four expert witnesses who used to be high brass with the atf that the atf has used as wit- as expert witnesses in their own cases that they're
3: now going to use against the atf so it's about to get spicy hmm all right. And, oh, this is going to get good. You brought some toys with you. I did. You brought some stuff with you that I I've never seen. And it's going to be interesting for real. And for me to say I haven't seen something, <laughs> that's a big deal. I'm telling you right now. You cuz I was like, "What is that? How does that work?" You know, for me to say, "What is that and how does that work?" You know, that that says a statement there. So you brought some stuff and and I love toys. You know, I love I love to play. This is man time here. This is like this sure. is Alpha Dog time.
7: The theater to the mind will that's be right. have to be used for the radio audience. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, no, because we're gonna, we're gonna. Yeah, that's right. Radio audience, you're not gonna see this, but the people on Facebook and the people that you know look at it on the website.
1: Yeah, we're I, gonna have to describe this in detail to them, like right. a Amazon unboxing. Right. I'm just. So here's a, with words. a camera, a camera
7: sized package that brings a uh, look closer to the mic. Yeah, Real Travis close. just opened a camera bag here. Brings forth a. Uh, a, a package of uh, an AR. delight in a, in, a, in a small package. Oh And you're able to uh, assemble AR firepower. Oh you know, And
1: uh, quickly, he did that rather in quickly in uh, less than 10 seconds.: That's wow. Right. It's
7: a fantastic truck gun.:
3: Oh my goodness, Look at this. Oh, nice. And all right, so what cali- when you shoot this gun?: That's you a 556 five, weapon.: You so, can't not smile. All right, so right. tell me what caliber this is.: That is 556. Five, Okay, so this is a 5.56, five, mm-hmm. and this is considered a pistol. AR, Ar, Ar pistol. AR pistol. All right, so it's a Saint AR pistol. Correct. Uh, and what, describe the stock that's on this.
7: Oh, that's called the, the Law Tactical, and that is a folding stock, which allows even greater um, packaging. So w- when you want something to, be, something to be compact, you're able to set it aside and use it as a track. And this is
3: not what I was talking about, what I didn't know what it was. I will, we'll show you that no, when we come back gonna... from the break. But, uh, and then describe this... Uh, The sight that's on here.
7: Oh, that's just a a simple AR Vortex. Uh, It's a Spitfire. It gives you a one-time magnification. This is so that you're able to have at least a little bit of of a a great uh, etched reticle optic when you're in close quarters. Nice.
3: And so this is what I should use inside the home to defend my house because it's nice and short. I don't have to expose the uh, majority of my body to stop a threat. And I can have an extended magazine. Um, I could could put a 30-round magazine. I could put a drum on this, right? You can. Uh, uh, you have a drum? You put on it?
7: I do not, but uh, it runs well
3: enough. It has, uh, it has one of those mythical triggers within it. So, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. We're talking dirty right now. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about some of those other toys that uh, toys that uh, he's brought into the studio. I'm Going to show you some things. Going to talk about those. Um, we may even take this sucker apart, try to clean it, become one with it. You know, mm, my precious. This is my precious. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to come and talk it. This is
5: Coley
1: on Noir and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cardo.
0: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Austin's Talk
5: 1370.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All
3: right, so we're back and we're talking about, um, we're talking about guns now. We're talking about triggers. We're talking about, uh, and Zach, what are we talking about, Zach? Rare
1: breed triggers. Rare
3: breed triggers. Thank you, Zach. I gotta have you say it because you know I'll mess it up.
1: Yeah, actually, I didn't know about these until Travis brought them to me. Basically, yeah,
3: I, I, I've heard of rare breed triggers. I, I've never dealt with them, you know, but I have heard of them. I, I think I've heard of just about all the triggers, you know, and, and then I may have even seen a bunch of them. Just didn't pay any attention to it at all. Uh, but listen to this statement from the one of the representatives of Rare Breed Triggers about what happened. With their company and the ATF.
6: Hi, I'm Lawrence DeMonico, president of Rare Breed Firearms and our sister company, Rare Breed Triggers. By now, I would imagine many of you are aware of the situation that we are currently dealing with. But whether you are or aren't, I'm going to start at the beginning and bring everyone up to speed on the situation. And for those of you who just want to help and would rather not watch this entire video, please visit rarebreedtriggers.com to learn how to help. On July twenty seventh, Craig Sayer, the special agent in charge of the Tampa Field Office of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, accompanied by a government attorney, personally served Rare Breed Triggers owner and attorney with a cease and desist letter informing us that our trigger, the FRT-15, had been determined to be a machine gun by the ATF. The letter stated that we needed to immediately cease and desist the manufacture and sell of the FRT-15 and that we needed to contact the ATF within five days to discuss a plan to address the FRTs that have already been distributed. The directives laid out in the cease and desist were based on an alleged examination performed by the ATF finding that the FRT-15 had been properly classified as a machine gun as defined by the National Firearms Act. I say alleged examination because no copy of the examination was provided with the cease and desist. And during the conversation that followed, not only did Special Agent Sayer admit he had not actually seen a copy of the examination, but in addition, Special Agent Sayer stated that he hadn't even seen an actual sample of the FRT15 trigger. Contrary to the findings in their alleged examination, the fact of the matter is that the FRT does not, cannot and will not fire more than one round by a single function of the trigger period. That's important to note because that is probably the most pertinent portion of the definition of a machine gun as defined by the Gun Control Act and the National Firearms Act. Despite this fact, along with the absolute lack of any evidence or strict proof to support the ATF's claim, we immediately responded to their cease and desist to inform them that we did not agree with their claim, we would not be complying with their demands, and followed up by filing a lawsuit in the United States Federal Court for the Middle District of Florida. So, one might reasonably ask how we could be so confident in our opinion of the facts and be so brazen in our noncompliance. In order to explain, I'd like to go back and talk about the early stages of the FRT. Before ever bringing the FRT to market, we did a tremendous amount of due diligence to ensure it was a perfectly legal semi automatic trigger. Not only did we consult numerous attorneys, but we also sought out the most well-known and well-respected subject matter experts in the entire firearms community to provide us with their expert legal opinion on the FRT. To ensure we were thorough, we didn't just settle for one or two experts. We sought the legal opinion of four subject matter experts. The first expert was Kevin P. McCann, Esquire. Mr. McCann is a practicing attorney and is a former ATF resident agent in charge who retired from the ATF with 25 years of service. The second expert was Daniel O'Kelly, the director of the International Firearms Specialist Academy in Dallas, Texas. Mr. O'Kelly is also a former senior special agent and the chief firearms technology instructor at the ATF National Academy, where he wrote and co-wrote the entire firearms technology course of study used to train agents and investigators on, among other things, what is and is not a machine gun as defined by federal law. The third expert was Rick Vasquez, another former ATF Special Agent and former Acting Chief of the Firearms Technology Branch, where he served as the ATF's expert on all Gun Control Act and National Firearms Act identification and classifications. And for those of you that don't know, it is the ATF's Firearms Technology Branch that actually does the assessment on items like the FRT-15 and makes the determination on whether or not it is a machine gun per definitions in the Gun Control Act and the National Firearms Act. The fourth expert was Brian Lucky, the president of firearms training and interstate nexus consulting in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mr. Lucky is also a former ATF special agent, having served 22 years with the ATF. During that time, he served as an instructor at the ATF National Academy, where he taught the application of the Gun Control Act and the National Firearms Act identification and classifications. And in his last position with the ATF, Mr. Lucky served as the Chief of the Advanced Firearms and Interstate Nexus Branch, a sub-branch of the Firearms and Ammunition Technology Branch. All four of these experts separately concluded that the FRT-15 is not a machine gun. Now, numerous people have asked why we did not seek an opinion letter from the ATF before going to the market. And the simple answer is... As we had already done our own due diligence by consulting with these four experts, all who determined the FRT15 to be a perfectly legal semi-automatic trigger, it was unnecessary to seek the approval of the ATF, as semi-automatic triggers are not a regulated item. And before anyone makes the assertion that we simply shopped around and cherry-picked for experts that would agree with our own opinion, I'd like to remind everyone that these are the same experts that had testified on behalf of the DOJ and ATF in countless cases and criminal prosecutions as to what does and does not constitute a machine gun under federal law. So simply put, these aren't our experts. These gentlemen aren't the experts. As a result of the conclusive and absolute findings of these experts, we are confident that every action we have taken is legal and within the boundaries of the law. As a result. In the lawsuit we filed in the United States Federal Court for the Middle District of Florida, Orlando Division, we are asking the court to halt the ATF from 1. Forcing rare breed triggers to cease operations, 2. Seizing any property or records from rare breed triggers, and 3. Seizing any property currently possessed by the customers of rare breed triggers. In addition, we are asking the court to rule that 1. The ATF's conclusion that the FRT constitutes a machine gun is without authority and contrary to the plain language of the statute and two, their claim that the FRT is a machine gun is arbitrary, capricious, an abuse of discretion and otherwise not in accordance with the law. Further, we have asked the court to rule that the ATF's attempt to redefine the definition of machine gun to reach the FRT, one, is in excess of the agency's statutory jurisdiction and authority and is short of the agency's statutory right, and two, that their arbitrary and capricious attempt to redefine the definition of a machine gun to reach the FRT will also prohibit the ownership, possession, and use of firearm accessories that are not prohibited by the relevant statutes. Of course, now that the ATF has finally produced the alleged examination report, we will be adding to our complaint the specific elements of why and how the exam is without merit. Now I would like to specifically address everyone that is currently concerned about owning or possessing an FRT-15. There have been a handful of gun tubers and other henny pennies that have been screaming that the sky is falling and everyone that currently possesses an FRT-15 has become a felon overnight. While some of that is purely clickbait, many others are simply misinformed. No one has committed a felony or become a felon yet by simply owning an FRT-15. Just because the ATF has determined the FRT-15 to be a machine gun doesn't make it so. I'd like to point out that the only entity that's been served with a cease and desist is rare breed triggers. That specific cease and desist has zero relevance to anyone that may have purchased and currently possesses an FRT 15. And now that we filed a suit against the ATF, DOJ, and Attorney General, all parties involved must go through the motions and the litigation must play out before an actual legal ruling is made on the classification of the FRT 15. Not until such time can the ATF address the FRTs that are currently in circulation. While the ATF is certainly attempting to turn you into a felon, they would have to first charge, prosecute, and convict you of having a machine gun before succeeding in that endeavor. And while we're on the topic, I'd like to mention that to date, there has not been one single person prosecuted and convicted for having a bump stop. As we all should remember it was another arbitrary reinterpretation of the law that allowed the atf to reclassify the bump stock as a machine gun and while they may have reclassified it as a machine gun we all know that the bump stock doesn't actually meet the legal definition of a machine gun i make this point because there's only been one person to date that's actually been charged with having a bump stock but that case was quickly dropped after the individual's defense attorney received an expert legal opinion letter from Rick Vasquez stating that the bump stock is not a machine gun. And keep in mind, Rick Vasquez is one of the same experts who has also already gone on the record stating that the FRT-15 is not a machine gun. Now, any reasonable person would conclude that the case was dropped because the prosecutor knew he couldn't win the case. Simply put, a prosecutor would have to convince a jury that a bump stock actually meets the legal definition of a machine gun without allowing for any reinterpretation. And of course, we all know that isn't possible. Based on the ATF's recent erratic and capricious behavior, we felt there was a high likelihood that the ATF would come knocking. And of course, it's not because we've done anything wrong. In fact, we couldn't have been and still cannot be any more confident in the expert's analysis that the FRT is a perfectly legal semi-automatic trigger. But with the current political climate in our country, being right and following the letter of the law sadly doesn't seem to matter to half the country these days. As you've seen over the past few years, we've started down a slippery slope where unelected officials working in executive agencies have been allowed to create and enforce legislation that doesn't exist. From the CDC and their recommendations slash mandates to the ATF and our particular case, unelected officials in these executive agencies are consistently sidestepping Congress and and implementing legislation without any legal authority to do so by reinterpreting the law to fit their need in any particular situation they desire. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
3: Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All
3: right, we're back. We're talking about rare breed triggers. And um, so Travis was saying during the break that there are similar triggers. There's another trigger that's similar to the rare breed, correct? That's correct. Yes. All right, so a little close to the mic. There's, and and so sorry. so tell me, you know, about these two triggers.
7: Well, there's one called the TACON 3, which came out several years ago. And it actually has a letter from the ATF saying that it complies with uh, the NFA and that it's not an NFA item. Um, but it achieves a a very similar rate of fire, and it actually has a select switch on it, which is not on the FRT, and they're very similar, conceptually the same. They're just engineered a little bit different with the FRT having a more efficient design, and so basically uh, the FRT is being accused of being a victim of its success by by the uh, ATF.
3: Right, and so, um, but then, you know, we've been in situations where, you know, you can have, like, you know, a bump stock, you can have something else, and the ATF says, okay, well, this is illegal, the bump stock, but then this over here, you know, is actually, you know, one thing is illegal, another thing is illegal. We've been in that situation before. Well, the
1: bump stock had a letter originally, didn't they? Right. I believe they did,
3: yeah. It did. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're saying the rare breed did not have – so the rare breed did not have a letter. Right. But, but a
7: semi-automatic trigger is not required right. to have a letter.
3: Right. So and. In- and I think they have a good leg to stand on mm-hmm. when it comes to this because it's not a machine gun. It does not turn a rifle into a machine gun. You have to pull it, you know, you have to pull the trigger each time for it to fire around. Is that correct?
7: That's correct. One yeah.
3: one round yeah, one round per pull. So they're just, you know, I don't know if this is, they're being hyperbolic. I don't know if they're just being, you know, aggressive. I don't know if they're just being, you know, well they're overstepping
1: their bounds. Yeah. They basically
7: saw that it achieves a high rate of fire that people were having fun with it on YouTube and somebody somebody got their panties in the water over that and said i got to come down on that
3: yeah yeah we really got to stop you know getting online and and social media and 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 (laughs) videos ourselves showing videos ourselves. honestly it was actually divulged
7: i don't know if you were aware of it but it was actually divulged how the atf came across this uh one of their agents was browsing 4chan which is a a website on the on the internet which i recommend no one goes to because it's it's kind of it's kind of like e e-bombs world, and, and 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 the dark dwellings of, of, de, of depraved things online. That, oh, do
3: tell. <laughs> we like dark and depraved.
7: But they have a, the internet
5: is full of neat stuff.
7: <laughs> but they have a gun. They have a gun section, and apparently it led him to Recoil.com or Recoil magazine. I forget which they're called. Had a had a had a had a write up about them in a video of them, and that made the ATF agent uh go, wait, that's a machine gun. It looks like a machine gun. And he and he called it in to the tech office and the tech office couldn't get a hold of a of a of a sample. So they actually got on gun broker and bought one so they could get a hold of one because they were sold out on, on the rare breed website. Yeah. Supply and demand buddy. Right. <laughs> and when when he uh, set it up in his uh, gun, they they apparently preemptively before they even um, studied the actual Triggered, they de- they decided uh, that it was a machine gun, ret- rhetorically, and then and then declared it one after they went to the motions of actually looking at the mechanics of it, mm. and then they called a Tampa the Tampa office because that was in Florida where uh, where Rare Breed is located, and they had a letter written and delivered.
3: Okay, now you brought some other toys into the studio. I did, and now this right here. Man, what is this? This is what I was talking about I've never seen before.
7: Well, I, uh, courtesy of the Rare Breed Trigger, it's a very inspirational thing. Uh, I built a belt-fed AR so it can achieve a higher rate of fire in a semi-automatic platform. And because of that, it's able to accept what's uh, colloquially colloquially known as uh, a nutsack, which is on... uh, a squad automatic weapon, uh, a, a saw, which is what the United States Army uses, and you're allowed to use the same equipment that will fit into the magwell and allow you to feed a belt uh, into your gun.
3: Got it. Okay. All right. And so how does this work? Well, first, tell us about the firearm that you have. Sure. There.
7: Well, the beauty of, of this particular firearm is that it's dual feed, so it accepts both magazines and belts. You can do either or. Let me, let me touch it. Let me be one with it.
3: Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh,
7: it's heavy for an AR. but It it's, is very heavy. But okay. it's light for uh, a belt-fed weapon.
3: Okay, and so tell us about it.
7: Well, it weighs about nine and a half pounds. Uh, it has an upper that is equipped so that you can feed a belt into it with that are that are linked with M27 uh, disintegrating belt links, which are exactly what uh, grunts use in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a heck of a hog killer. So.
3: And what caliber is it?
7: It's chambered in 556 five, NATO.
3: 556, five, okay.
7: Mm-hmm. It likes it likes 62 and grain you're green. Got, you're going to
3: have to you you're definitely going to have to have like some type of sling for this. This is heavy.
7: It is, but it helps keep it stable with the rate of fire. Right.
3: Yeah, but I need a sling, yeah, cuz I'm not going to be able to, you know, I, I I can do this from a vehicle. That's fine cuz I can put it down. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to walk across, you know, do a road march with it.
7: Uh yeah no sir. Although it is half the weight of a saw, it's a, ironically that's a it's a civilian build that is a half the weight of a saw that performs a similar function.
3: Right. And so why'd you pick this one particularly? Have you gone? Have you gone hog hunting?
7: Well, I'm still fine tuning the fine tuning the weapon, but yeah, that is the plan. Um, it is uh, this particular this particular build was inspired because that is that is the the best civilian uh, uh belt fed upper that uh that one can purchase, and uh, works within the AR platform so that you can use magazines, keep it lightweight, and uh, have just an absolute blast with it.
3: And so it goes? Yep, you can go like ahead and feed, so.
7: feed it in like a magazine.
3: Okay, like so? Yes, sir. Okay. And then, oh, and then I you, get it, and then yeah. you feed it here. Right. Oh, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Oh, nice. Oh, my God, this brings back, oh, my goodness, yes, <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Right.
7: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The radio audience is riveted, but yeah. Oh my goodness.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Nice. Oh, this is beautiful.
7: Yeah. Wow. You're able to feed the belt into the tray, clamp it back down. Yeah. I wouldn't play around with the green tips though. Oh, it, it requires them. Really? It likes that it likes that extra pressure.
3: It'll malfunction with anything else?
7: Yeah, until you break it in, it, it's the opposite of an AK in that it's it, it's engineered with such tight.
3: I wouldn't want to practice with them though, you know that. Yeah,
7: yeah. It's I, when I, it, that's I, why it's an it's an outdoor weapon. It's not a
3: thousands of rounds of green tips. And I don't right? Like, yeah, I like to save those for something special. Right.
7: Well, this that's <laughs> what this I understand, but you, <laughs> you get to make hogs into into pork mist with them. So right. you know,
3: wow, this is cool. Yes, us check this out. I mean, if you're looking on, you're looking on the. Uh, on the video here this is really neat
1: so it uses some of the gas pressure or is it piston it in it is order to it's strip a piston it's off
3: it's piston driven
7: but it has three different gas ports
3: and so we're going this goes on top this goes this way no sir the uh here yeah you would Feed it. repeat it there and then
7: bring
1: it down yep okay so I one of the gas ports further. uh
7: the, right here, there's an adjustable gas port on the piston, right there, uh-huh. and then you can you can put it to the, the setting that's appropriate to adverse adverse conditions or what have you.
1: So it needs a lot of gas and pressure in order to actuate all yeah. this going on. Oh, absolutely,
7: there. yeah, because it has a you know the bolt carrier has to cycle quickly enough to, to keep up with the rapid fire and put the put the bullet back in the battery. Yeah, the not carrier.
1: only is the uh, bolt carrier having to move, but it's having to strip the links each time, right? Yep,
7: which requires about seven pounds of force unto itself and so you have to you have to have a lot of energy behind it the the way these triggers work is is by you know manipulating manipulating kinetic energy as opposed to to um, and so
3: what type of what type of trigger is on here that is the
7: rare breed this is the rare breed that is the rare breed and and the way but the way those triggers work is by is by you know the way that they use energy as opposed to when you have a an actual auto sear as the atf would claim this to be it's It's purely a mechanical function yeah. this 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 does not achieve a high rate of fire via mechanical function. it achieves a high rate of fire via via the way that it allows uh the bolt carry energy to to reset the trigger and keep functioning that way
3: Oh man, I got a man crush on you right now no I don't even know what to do <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice very nice I, i'm I'm glad i actually sorry i missed going to the range this morning well,
7: there'll be other times
3: yeah, yeah, you know I missed that this this the sun rising you know Sunday morning. Sunday morning services. You know, I love praising the Lord and passing the ammunition. You know, doing a little prayer before we shoot and then fired off a couple of rounds. I definitely missed that. That's that's a nice that's a nice firearm there. Yes, All right, you got you to gotta pull out some more, more toys for us. All right, so we're talking with Travis. Travis, you know, brought some toys into the studio here. And we're talking about the rear Breed Trigger. Is that the only one you have a rear Breed Trigger on? No. <laughs> <laughs> he says that. <laughs> He's like, no, because uh, this must be your trigger of choice. For the AR platform,
7: uh, it's pretty much the most fun you can have. Why this one? Why not something else? The rare breed trigger. Yeah, because it is it it is a trigger that allows you to pretty much maximize your Second Amendment rights in a in a semi automatic platform.
1: Absolutely yeah. maximize it. That's yeah. a good way to put it.
7: Why? I'm going to push you on that because your rate of fire uh, is not is not uh, is not. Um, can, is not restricted by, by uh, the NFA. It, it, it allows you to, to show that bureaucrats can do anything that they want to do to try and limit the capabilities of, of Second Amendment uh, gun owner, uh, advocates and gun owners. But the fact of the matter is that uh, we will uh, always have evolving technology in the firearms industry. And semi-automatic weapons uh, are always going to evolve, whether they go from muskets to AR-15s. And trigger technology is going to evolve with it. And the fact of the matter is that semi-automatic triggers can uh, achieve a high rate of fire without being automatic weapons uh, in the 21st century. And that really, really
3: bothers the ATF. All right, so we have a rural sheriff in Illinois who has quit his job after 34 years because of the... Just it's, he's, it's just impossible for him to do his job there as a sheriff. Also, Chicago, juveniles arrested for carjackings has nearly doubled in 2021. Crime is on the rise in, in all of our major cities around the country uh, in 2021. It's so high uh, here in Austin, Texas. You know We've increased our crime so much. We're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on guys? It's Jack Jones here and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It.
5: 70. Austin's Talk 1370.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill.
3: All right, so we're back and we're talking about triggers today. We're now the next up on the deck is going to be the binary trigger, Ooh, and that's I'm actually,
1: a beautiful one right
3: there. Oh, this, oh, this is good. Yeah, this is this is a beautiful. Yeah, this 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 is something that I would wear that I would use if I'm wearing a suit.
1: That's amazing. You know? Look how short it is.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I was like, um, I was a level four security, and I was wearing a suit. This is what I would carry. Mm-hmm. The level four. Secret Service. Perfect. It's nice and short. And, oh, yeah. What Barrel. is that,
1: 18 inches long?
7: I honestly don't know. Whatever the legal limit is, the barrel's five and a half.
1: Yeah, we're not
3: going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. But it's and, a pistol, so it can be as short as you want it.
3: Right. Yeah. All right, so... um you, on this one right here, you actually have a binary trigger. That's correct. All right, tell us about the binary trigger. The Binary triggers. Are, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't that the ATF did not come after binary triggers first. Right,
7: they're they're an older first. Sure, yeah, they're an older they're an older trigger than than the rare breed, and they they function legally uh, to the chagrin of the ATF probably, because uh, the way the NFA law is written, uh, you're allowed to per function of the trigger, you're allowed to, to fire one bullet. Well, the way these work is that when you fire the, when you, when you pull the trigger, you release one bullet. When you let go of the trigger, you release a follow-up shot, effectively creating a double tap per trigger pull, um, which allows you to fire very very fast if if you're if you're able to finesse the trigger correctly. And that um, it, it's surprising that that hasn't been more controversial with the ATF, especially in light of them going after bump stocks and force reset triggers.
3: Yeah, love this sucker. What do you think, Zach? You, you just love you put like that inside saints. your jacket. Why do you why do you like saints so much?
7: They make great pistols. Uh, that aren't but on, on the AR platform, they make great pistols.
3: What about a Daniel Defense?
7: They're great, but the the thing about them is that they're they're a lot of money. Um
3: Overpriced. They're
7: overpriced with for for a lot of mil spec uh, options. Whereas something like. The Springfield Armory uh, has a kind of a, a policy of good, better, best, mm. and this is the Saint Edge line, which is their best. So they, this was made in concert with Maxim Defense. It's almost like getting a, a less expensive Maxim Correct. Defense. Correct. But right, but with the modifications I have put on it, and because of the gun, the gun scare that's been going on for what eighteen months plus now, these guns are selling online for like three thousand dollars. That's not how much I paid, but that's what people are yeah. doing.
3: Yeah, a gun broker. Yeah, but if you if you if you're a little patient, you know, and you mm-hmm. just you. You you get it the regular way. You know, walk to the gun store, you mm-hmm. get it at a, reg- at a regular price. But nobody's had it in a year. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they just they go really quick. Supply and mm-hmm. demand, supply and demand. Um, what do you think? Which which one you want? I like that rare breed trigger the best.
1: That first one he pulled out yeah. that uh, came out in the camera bag. Mm-hmm. Put it in a camera bag. Now this, I think this is gonna be my favorite here. Put it in a
3: camera bag, Michael.
1: Yeah, this shoots way faster than this one.
3: But I got to I got to unfold it. I got to put the, the barrel in. Yeah, five seconds. Yeah. now, this is ready to go right now. You can keep I c- the other one I can pop I can, I can pop a cap immediately with this one. Oh, you can pop
1: 20 caps on the other one immediately. No, this is faster. <laughs> it is a good-looking gun. Yeah, much yeah. faster. And it's
7: tiny. Well, you couldn't put the rare breed in, in this gun because of the, the way that the buffer tube's configured. It uh, has to have a proprietary buffer tube. And that won't, won't work since the the rare breed made to design with a regular buffer tube and H3, which an actual automatic trigger wouldn't do. It, it wouldn't require, you know, that. It, otherwise, a, a rare breed trigger acts like a, a bolt action gun because it doesn't have enough energy. That's another. So,
1: if you could, you would have a rare breed in there.
7: I well, I don't know, but I don't have that option.
1: If you did have the option,
7: uh, I I have it elsewhere, and I'm I'm content with that. <laughs>
3: All right, so Illinois Sheriff quits after 34 years. Man, this guy's been working on a job for 34 years. He says, you know what? I'm done. A recently enacted criminal justice overhaul in Illinois has led to an exodus of sheriffs, and among them is Scott Harville, the Union County Sheriff in the southern tip of the state. Harville leads a typical small role sheriff office with about 10 sworn deputies each stretched thin to scope, uh, well, to cope with the mounting, you know, methamphetamine, uh, related drug offenses, and mental health cases that plague rural towns. Now, resources are far scarcer in, in rural counties than they are in big urban areas. And everyone wears a, you know, they, they pretty much wear a dozen hats there, you know, to keep the, to get the job done. It's a difficult job for uh, police in, in those areas, but instead of offering more support and resources, Illinois lawmakers continue to approve laws that have, uh, that make that the job even more difficult. And so, this guy says, "Hey, after 34 years, I'm done. I quit. I'm out. Peace." Again in in Chicago, you know. And I want to thank, man, I want I want to thank my my listeners for sending these stories to me uh, via snail mail. We get these into the office, and I really appreciate that because I actually do read this stuff. And it's, you know, everyone, I I forget to bring it to the studio. And I want to make sure I cover this stuff uh, because this is really good news for you guys. Chicago juveniles juveniles have been arrested for carjacking nearly and nearly doubled in 2021. So the number of juveniles arrested for carjackings during the first half of 2021 in Chicago, you know, once again, I want to say has doubled, has doubled according to the police arrest records obtained by the Epic Times. Now, during the first half of 2021, 91 juveniles aged 17 and under, according to Illinois law, were arrested for carjackings. For the same time last year, the number was about half at 46. According to the arrest records, 9 out of 10 carjackers are black teenagers, mostly from the south and west side of Chicago. Among the juvenile carjackers arrested in 2021, 70% allegedly threatened the car owners at gunpoint which is a Class X felony for Illinois, uh, the most serious felony category short of first-degree murder under Illinois law. In other cases, they threatened car owners with their fists, which could also be a deadly force, which also could be deadly force. And on July 14th, a 17-year-old juvenile at 18-year-old Frank Harris allegedly struck 73-year-old Keith Cooper in the head in an attempt at carjacking. Cooper died soon after. Juveniles were arrested the day after, and the crime in charge with the first-degree murder. So uh, and this, is, you know, this is the same story in all of our major cities around the country where crime is actually increasing. We've seen this here in Austin where homicides have actually increased. Uh, and I want to say it's, it's almost to the point in Austin, Texas, where the percentage of homicides have increased more so in Austin than almost any other city in the nation. You know, we're almost there, and, and that's sad. And, you know, we've just passed the, the halfway mark, you know, for this year. And so we're going to see what happens. Are we going to pass, you know, 2019, 2018, 2017? You know, uh, it's, it's getting pretty bad. Um, the crime rises, and, and, and so narratives are built, and explanations of, on, <laughs> are multiplying here. How can uh, Jennifer Saki and her Democratic uh, accolades in the media – whose predetermined narrative should spoon-feed to them every day get away with such shameless lie as claiming that it was really the Republicans who wanted to defund the police. That is a question absolutely nobody is asking. Everybody knows that there is no longer any room in the media for a real voice of dissent from the Democrats' revolutionary project, which depends upon blaming Republicans or Donald Trump for everything that's wrong with the United States. Um, we got to get away from pointing fingers at each other. We got to figure out how to solve some of these problems, and I suggest you take your own personal safety in your own hands and defend yourself because you're not going to be able to wait on the government to come and save you. Um, Now, the big thing I want to talk about before we get off the air here is President Joe Biden has banned Russian ammo amid continuing shortage. All right, so this is breaking news. Uh, This happened late on August the 20th where – The Biden administration has banned Russian ammunition. And so if you're that type of person where you're looking for that Russian ammo, like Barnall, you know, any of that Russian ammo, guess what? It has been banned. So you're going to see, and we're already in the point where it's already hard to get ammunition as it is right now. And so with the administration banning, you know, ammunition coming from Russia, which at times that was the only ammo that we can actually get our hands on then guess what? Now the price of ammunition is going to go even higher and through the roof because now they've started banning it. You know This is the you know, latest sanctions that are expected to take place on or about September the 7, 2021, and will remain in place for a minimum of 12 months. After 12 months, the executive branch, the president, can remove the sanctions if Russia meets certain obligations under the CBW Act. While not a total surprise, this will still have an overall negative effect on the uns- uh, unstable ammunition market. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and It with Michael Cargill.